Hello and welcome to The Post Show. I'm John the Video Guy. On today's episode, I am joined with Jen Noga, founder of Bar Buddies. To be honest, when writing this show intro, it was hard for me to describe what Bar Buddies is. I believe it's many things. But for Jen, it's her creative outlet, where she gets to promote and engage with music and bands that she has come to enjoy. Starting as a small radio show project, while a student at Kent State University, she has now grown it to become an online presence through her website and social media accounts. In this episode, I talk with Jen about her high school and college experience and how she started Bar Buddies, her journey and how Bar Buddies has grown to what it is today. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jen Noga. Jen, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm really happy to be here. I'm a little nervous because I've never been on this side of the, the table before, but I'm, I'm very excited to go, get out of my comfort zone. Absolutely. You know, it's always interesting and it's always nice to try new things and stuff. You know, I'm always in that position too. Like I'm always behind the camera, behind, you know, in post-production and stuff. So uh, thank you though for being on the show today. Worse. Very excited. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm like, I'm shaking with anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Kind of like take us back through high school because, you know, you're, you're still a college student, but I kind of want to learn a little bit more about why you chose to go into content creation as a career. So I graduated from high school in 2017. That was four years ago, I think. Wow, that makes me feel old. Um, And I did CVCC for media technology, although it's called media arts now, something more fancy. Um, Because at the time, I really wanted to make movies. So I was taking a bunch of classes that my high school had offered. And then I decided, oh, I want to take this one step further. So I was like, I'm going to make movies. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I want to make movies. Um, And then I get to CVCC and I go through the whole program and I was like, I don't want to make movies anymore. And I was like, I'm done with it forever. I'd never want to touch anything content creation again. And then when I went to Kent, um, I joined Black Squirrel Radio, which is Kent State's student run radio station. And they were like, hey, we need photographers. And I had photography experience so I started doing concert photography for them and then that just kind of like evolved into me being like oh I actually do want to be a content creator I go from not wanting anything to do with it to being like now now it's like my full-time job that doesn't pay me any money but I still really really enjoy it awesome and I think there's a few things to unpack here so can you tell us a little bit why you wanted to get into movies in the first place before you decide not to do it anymore. What what triggered you to want to pursue movies? Um, I'm probably this is going to sound really ridiculous, but probably it was an ADHD hyper focus. I just got diagnosed um, at the age of 21. So I have not been diagnosed that long. But as I look farther back, I was really hyper focused on movies because they had started filming like these big blockbusters up in Cleveland, like Avengers, Fast and Furious. And I was like, I want to do that because I don't have to leave my home. You know, it's right here. And then I don't know. And then I kind of switched. I wanted to do more advertising because I thought that would be cool. So I kind of just like bounced back and forth. But it always 
seem to center around movies. And then I actually talked to people who make movies for a living. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do it. (laughs) So is that what turned you off from the movie industry is talking with other people? Yeah, I think being able to have like guest speakers that came in to our class and, you know, being able to ask them, being like, what is it really like? Because there's the, you know, when you go on like a college admissions tour, there's the what people want you to see and how it actually versus how it actually is. And hearing that it's like these really long days and you kind of get, especially if you're like a low level, you get treated kind of poorly. And I at least have a little bit of like, I don't want to say self-respect, but I know myself well enough to not put myself through something like that. Gotcha. Cool. So you still went to Kent State. And I'm curious, what was the degree you went for initially? So initially, I went in for public relations uh, as my major. And then I double majored in public relations and criminology. Um, And then I was just a criminology major before I took this semester off just because remote learning wasn't really cutting it for me. Uh, it's college is hard enough and trying to do it online was really difficult. So it's a very, it's nothing to do with anything that I do now, but I was like, this is what would be really cool. So then I was like, I'm going to switch to business. And then I was like, no, we can't do it. We can't switch to business. That's another four years of college. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very stressful trying to determine which career path to go into. It sounds like you kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, and do you think you're going to change your major or pursue what you originally went to Kent State for, or are you going to kind of go down the content creation and just continue that? Right now I'm feeling more of the content creation. Um, so I'm looking for full-time employment right now for content creation. Uh, it's a very oversaturated market. If you could believe that, um, everybody has the same set of skills, but, I think if I were to go back anytime soon, I'd probably switch my major again to business just because I want Bar Buddies to be something that could be sustainable someday. And I would need the tools to know how to do that. And right now, uh, Google, while it is very helpful, is not the equivalent of a degree. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, if you could do it all over again, you might have just went to college for business to learn the back end about how business works and how you can take your passion and make money from it, basically. Yeah, I mean, I am really thankful for my time that I did with public relations because I got to meet a ton of amazing people because that's the building where the radio station is housed. And I think without being in the uh, the environment that I was in, because I lived in a living learning community for people who were in um, the College of Communication and Information. So anything between like movie making, public relations, advertising, communications, we all lived in the same building. So I think without having public relations as my going in point, um, I think it would have been a lot different. I don't think I would have ended up with Bar Buddies. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, you took a break from Kent State. And I'm curious. So remote learning didn't really work for you. So I'm just kind of curious, since we're in a virtual environment now, What are some of the drawbacks from remote learning that you've ran into? Uh, The biggest one was my classes were not synced up. And that was really, really difficult. Um, I was taking a science and then I had to take a lab along with it for graduation requirements. But neither of the classes were on the same page. And then when I was taking these exams in these labs, they'd be like, just Google the answer. And I was like, so then what am I paying? What am I paying you all this money for? 
So it became very frustrating that I was I wasn't really learning anything. I was just kind of looking at it and regurgitating it. And to me, that's such a waste of time for something that I'm not even passionate about. And I kind of became really apathetic towards school, which had never happened before because I love learning and I love learning new things. But just being in a remote environment and even online is just very difficult for me. I Maybe it's just the way I learn, but... I hope that provides some insight on, because a lot of people are really attracted to the virtual online. It's cheaper, it's more affordable. They can do it and they can complete the classes quicker. But I think you bring up a really valid point that the in-person experience is lacking, you know, in the online degrees. So it's nice to get that in point. Thank you for sharing that. By now in the podcast, people are probably wondering what is Bar Buddies because they keep hearing it. So can you tell us the story of Bar Buddies from its inception and how it has grown? Tell you all about it. So I was a freshman in college and I was the ripe old age of 18 and I really could not get into any bars. Um, But I had gone to one. I paid a cover fee to go see this band that my friend's boyfriend was in. And I was sitting in this bar and I was watching this and I was like, wow, wouldn't this be something really cool to do like every week? Just come and see bands you know, and go to bars. And I was with two of my other friends. So it started as a trio and now it's just me, but it turned into a radio show with black school radio. And then once programming had ended because of COVID, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Because obviously this is something I'm very, very good at and I would like to continue to do it. So then it became more of like bar buddies itself feels more like a company And then within Bar Buddies, I have like these different projects like my podcast, Tales from the Bar or the not so live shows where I kind of do like a mock, um, like a mock on air, like hour. And I play like plug in songs. Um, I'm working on like a mental health series, you know, how to adult, that kind of stuff. But it's all under Bar Buddies. So it's kind of like evolved into this big umbrella with all these little projects attached to it. So if I understand it correctly, it originated because you couldn't get into a bar and you wanted to share music, correct? Pretty much. (laughs) Gotcha. So when you started your radio, the radio show on Black Squirrel Radio, what was the structure? I haven't listened to one of the Black Squirrel Radio radio shows yet. So can you tell us a little bit about what was in the show? Was it interviews or was it just songs? Can you tell us uh, the program structure? Yeah, so when it was a trio, um, it was me and my two friends, and we would play music, and we would play like a game every week, you know, something really, really stupid just to kind of break up the music that we were listening to. But then as a solo show, it was just these really long blocks of music, so I would theme each show, and it it became a way for me to highlight these smaller bands from around the world, and... I would email each band every week and I'd say, hey, you know, I'm playing, you know, hi, I'm Jen. I'm playing your music on my radio on my radio show. Like, I would really love it if you tuned in because I was at, you know, 10 in the morning on a Friday and everybody's in class, but became a top rated show. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, I'm kind of curious, how did you approach the band members or the different bands? Because and how was their reception to just you know, you uh, just randomly introducing yourself and, you know, going, hey, can you listen to my show? I'm just kind of interested on how you got them on board. 
Uh, I sent a lot of emails because at the time I was trying to finesse my way into concert photography. So I was already getting really good with sending emails being like, hi, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. Please let me into your show so I can take photos. So it just was like a no brainer. I have a template that I used and I would just kind of fill in the blanks. And then I would spend like an hour, hour and a half, like looking up everybody's emails and then sending each one individually. And a lot of it was very well received. Um, I even gave a couple of people their first radio play ever, which was really special to me. So my friend Jack, um, they live in Australia. I gave them their first radio play in America. And that was like something so fantastic that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Very cool. Very cool. And what genres were these bands? Was it just rock or alternative or did was there different genres? It was kind of a mix of everything. I'm the type of person that if I listen to music and it sounds good, I'll just save it. Not necessarily lyrics, which makes me a little bit of a wild card sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds really good. And they're like, the song is really depressing. I was like, yeah, no, but the beat is really good and I really like it. So when I look at my Spotify wrapped, it was a lot of indie, alt, rock, some pop. It just kind of depended. But I I started to favor, I think, towards the end, more like rock, rock groups, because the bands that I started to become friends with, you know, that's the type of music that they were evolving into. And I would play their music all the time. Gotcha. And how did you uh, first find these bands? Were they just bands that you found on your own or were you going somewhere to specifically find good music? Um, it's a little bit of Instagram. Uh, those targeted Instagram posts really, they do work. So if you're listening and you're like, should I boost my Instagram post? And I'm a musician. I say, do it. Um, my cat has joined us. His name is George. Hi, George. I did that. And then now, nowadays I do, um, TikTok, which is where I find a majority of the artists that I listen to, or I interview now is through TikTok. Um, which has become just this like insane platform to find musicians that you would never be able to find otherwise. And Spotify, Spotify is like um, people you may like if you listen to this person is also very, very helpful. They're very good at what they do. Very cool. Um, And it sounded like it was a mutual thing where like you help them uh, get promoted on air and, you know, you gain recognition as well. It's kind of like I scratch your back, you scratch mine type of thing. I think when it's like that, people are more receptive of the content. Yeah. I think it's always because I would always give like a little bio about the bands and I'd be like, oh, this is like, for example, um, I'd be like, this is my friend's last youth and they're from Columbus and here's how they started. And here's the song we're going to listen to. And I hope you like it. If you like them, here's where you can find them kind of sort of dealio. Very cool. Awesome. And, you know, coming out of Black Squirrel Radio, you've now evolved it to where now it's on several different platforms other than Black Squirrel Radio. So can you kind of tell us how it has evolved just from being a radio show into now being almost everywhere, like on Spotify, YouTube, and it's like almost just like this online presence or brand. Can you tell us about all the different platforms that you've developed? So I I started, we started the Instagram page Probably right before spring break, our first semester of uh, 
show, like of being on air. And that was where we really focused. I have a Twitter, but it kind of gets neglected because I don't tweet all that much. Um, but we had a Twitter and we had an Instagram and that's where we would kind of push our followers to go follow us. But now um, I have an actual website. So I'm like, I'm a big kid now. I have a domain and everything. Um, and I put, I, it's where everything is all at once. And I had this interview. So the podcast kind of became, I had this interview where I was still trying to do stuff and I couldn't, I was like, oh, I can't like go to your show. I can't like do a sit down interview. So I was like, oh, why don't we do a Zoom call? And I recorded it and I threw it up on YouTube and I got some views and then I threw it up on Anchor and then they're like, we'll distribute it. So I was like, okay, you do you. And now it's kind of taken on a life of its own where I'm on TikTok and I've had, you know, two TikToks get mildly, like be mildly, like very successful, like blow up. Um, And that was really cool. And it was a little overwhelming because I'm just a normal person in a bedroom and I was being, you know, dumb. And the internet was like, I like this. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. I try to, I try to keep content across everything like the same, but I feel like right now I'm performing a lot better on TikTok than I am with Instagram or Twitter. And I'm really bad at plugging things when I'm done with them and be like, hey, you know, I'm here it is. I'll just release it and then I'll forget to tell people about it. So I'm still that's, you know, still working on that. But that's part of what the website is for. Very cool. And it sounds like TikTok is the number one place you're getting the most traction. Can you tell us how many views you get per per post or video? Well, it depends. Um, The ones that have gone really, really viral um, were like half a million views, which was insane to me. Um, Some people took the audio that I had made and one of those remakes got like a million views. So like I know at least a million people have seen it and it's it's insane. Like TikTok is just the algorithm favors a lot of posting, but also you can get shadow banned for something and they won't really tell you so it'll kill your views it's this kind of like wave that you have to know how to ride and I'm still kind of figuring it out but right now we're getting at least like 200 you know 300 then to me that's very successful that that many people have seen my content because I'd rather have more like quantitative engagements than qualitative like numbers very cool yeah It's just now you have to find a way to make money on that. I'm not sure what the TikTok, uh, you know, the way to monetize on TikTok, you know, because like YouTube, you can, you know, through sponsorships, you can on like podcast sites. But yeah, it's just turning it into a business now. Yeah, there's this thing called the Creator Fund. I don't have enough followers yet to join it. Um, I think I'm about 9,000 short of, you know, that. But I have about... I have like 1.8K on TikTok, which is still very, very weird that like at any given moment, like I'm mutuals with a lot of artists that I really enjoy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these people like see what I put out. Like they have the potential to see this. And it's insane because I follow um, Dan Povenmire, who is one of the co-creators of Phineas and Ferb. And I was like, at any given moment, he could see anything that I've ever posted. And that. It's like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, I hope it, I hope it uh, blossoms for you. It's very exciting. So I want to ask you one last question and you can, you can pass if you want, but I noticed that, uh, 
on one of the videos, you're talking about mental health. And it's becoming more public now with the pandemic and the situation that's out there. I kind of want to get your perspective on, you know, finding something that you're really passionate about and how it can help you through tough times. You know, it sounds like Bar Buddies really has helped you form an outlet for yourself. So if you can kind of elaborate how that has helped you and if other people are out there, uh, what advice you'd give them to try to find something creative like this? I knew there was going to be an advice question because I always ask one at the end of my interviews and I was like still not prepared. But when I was in high school, right before my senior year, um, I struggled with my mental health for the very first time. Um, You know, really bad anxiety. I had an eating disorder and I took Vine because that was what was really big at the time. And I took these six second videos. It was this series called Days of Recovery and I would just document my recovery until Vine ended. And then now I take Bar Buddies as kind of like a step up to that because I don't want people to feel alone because I knew that I felt very alone and isolated and I never want anybody else to go through what I went through. And right before Christmas, I got a diagnosis of bipolar depression, which is still like, you know, very new to me. So being able to navigate that in a public way and being like, hey, I'm not perfect, but you know, neither are you. And here are some things that we can both try, try out. Um, and as for advice, I would say just, and I hear this from everybody, they say, just do it, even if it's bad, even if you think it's bad, because I'm a perfectionist, everything has to be like crystal, pristine, golden before it goes out. Just, you know, if you're happy with it, and you've done all you can do, just put it out there, the right people will find it. And it'll be, you know, I don't want to say it'll be worth your time, but it will be because to me, you know, again, going back to the people that really like love and support your projects are going to be the people that are always going to hype you up no matter how bad it is. I always say if, you know, the writers of Riverdale can get paid to write that show, you know, nothing else will be as bad as that. (laughs) Sorry to people that like Riverdale, but like it's a garbage show. So if people get paid real money to do that you can put something else out too that's awesome well thanks i was like wondering whether i should watch that now i know not to (laughs) it's a it's something i'll tell you that much i only made it through one season but it was a garbage a garbage fire (laughs) well thanks jen for that advice it it really sounds like you just you know you just have to be happy with the content that you create and regardless the people that are there for you will show up and they will help you support you regardless of the content. Yeah. And I've made a lot of, a lot of really good friends through bar buddies, actually like musicians. Like I have friends in Australia, I have friends in Germany, you know, all over the country. It's just insane. And they're all so supportive of it. And it's boggles my mind that bar buddies has reached literally the other end of the globe. That's awesome. The power of the internet. Power of the internet. (laughs) Well, awesome, Jen. Well, with that, I want to thank you for joining me on the post show today. And if people want to learn more or reach out to you, how can they reach out? Well, you have a couple of options. (laughs) You can reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter with at Bar Buddies Pod. Um, You can find me on TikTok, just at Bar Buddies, or you can visit barbuddies.org for 
the big master calendar, how to contact me. I have a little side blog as well. I think that's it. Those are the big ones. Awesome. And I'll add those to the show notes below for you, for our guests as well, so they can check that out. Well, Jen, thank you for joining me on the post show today. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. That was great. I want to thank Jen again. I look forward to see how Barbadies grows in the future. I encourage you to check them out using the info below in the show notes. If you like the podcast so far, please follow us and share it with people you believe can benefit from our conversations. You can also go to my website, johnthevideoguy.com forward slash post show to see all of our episodes. We look forward to talking to you soon.